Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. Seven young people shipwrecked on a mysterious island. The island was deserted. Not even birds or animals dared to come here. What did they find? Seaweed, fish, and turtle's eggs. Anything we can eat, as well as snakes and lizards. Just let me finish. There's a lot of grass growing around here. You can eat the roots. You can eat the roots of a lot of plants here. Never thought of that, did you? They were driven to the edge of starvation. Food was scarce, and they were forbidden to eat the mushrooms that grew on the island. Fear and hunger turned them against each other. I'll kill you. But Tango will help me live. I haven't been hungry since I left the ship. Maybe. Oh, help me. Help me. Please. Can't we eat the mushrooms now? That would really be the end of us. Akiko! vegetable monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo. Lights out. And now the movies, folks. Hi there, ho there, you're as welcome as can be. Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In. I am your host, your fearless leader, the one, the only, never to be duplicated, D-Dub. And across the table from me is my co-host, my partner in crime, and lo, my best friend in the entire world, Ah, <laughs> Stratosphere. Hi, kids. Okay, well, this week, we've got a goodie for you, folks. Unlike most of our movies, where you might as well admit it. 
you'd probably be better off just going to bed. But uh, this is a good one. And what would that be? Go ahead. And Well, I was going to say, and, and it really is a good one in spite of the title, because I, I will tell you that every time I've mentioned the title to my wife and my daughter, they, they just leave the room snickering. Almost like the whole... Children shouldn't play with dead things. Which was also a very (laughs) underrated... So there's an inverse relationship from the title to the actual quality, I think. Wow. So so if somebody were to film a movie and just call it, it'd probably be great. I think you're onto something there. All right. Well, as is customary in a situation like this... Let's let's go with the title, the actual title. Oh, uh, we never did say that, did we? No, we we did not. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm on 24 days working straight. The Japanese title is Matango, and it was marketed here in America as Attack of the Mushroom People. Yep, and this particular one, if you really look at the faces of a lot of the actors, you have uh, kind of like, almost like the stock players for... um, Toho, Produc- Toho Productions. Yeah, this was this was almost an all star event, really. I, I mean, yep. I don't. Did, now, did um, I didn't look? Did a lot of these? Did this come out before a lot of the um, kaiju movies, or it, in the I midst believe of? I believe it did, and it might have come out in the midst of some of them. But you have, um, let me see, the guy that played the professor, or the psychology professor that kind of framed the whole thing, right? He, I believe, was in Destroy All Monsters. I, I do recall him, yeah. Um, the guy that played the captain of the boat. Okay. He was in, I want to say, Godzilla versus Mothra, the first one, because he also showed up much later on in Tokyo SOS. I, I'm just in awe here that, that you, you're doing, he's doing this from memory. He is not looking now, anything up. It was directed by Ishiro Honda, who d- directed. Many, many of the kaiju films, and I, I said this. I said this uh, off mic a while back. Uh, Honda, in my opinion, is up there with Akira Kurosawa as far as all-time great uh, directors in general, but certainly Japanese directors. I would agree with that. And then um, I can't remember if Akira, Akira Ifugabe did the music or not, and it really doesn't matter. But it also had one of my personal favorites, and I you know love her? to say the name. You know her, you love her, you just can't live without her. I'm talking about, of course, Kumi Mizuno. Who was, who was winner of uh, this year's Cheesecake Award at, at the Larry's. So fresh from her triumph at uh, that event, uh, we're going to just uh, get right into uh, another classic by oh, her. Oh, almost forgot. the. There was another actor in there who played a writer. I believe he was also in Godzilla vs. Mothra. Okay. Haven't I, I don't... I don't believe I've seen one. That was um, that was in the Heisei era. Or Godzilla vs. Mothra was actually the fourth film. It came out right after King Kong vs. Godzilla in 1964. Oh, okay. And just so you know, folks, I'm not doing that off the top of my head. On the corkboard to my direct left here, I have a listing of all the Godzilla movies. Okay. Da-da-da. For just such an emergency. Kumi. Always plan ahead, kids. Kumi Mizuno. Yow. <laughs> okay. Well, as is customary, the best place to start with these would be... The, the plot. plot. All right. Well, the movie is pretty much all told in flashback. We have um, a man in Tokyo who is uh, being 
held in the psychiatric ward of a hospital. He starts telling his his uh, tale. And by, by the way, before we get any further, you, you realize this whole thing is uh, Gilligan's Island, you know, reimagined as a Japanese okay. horror movie. You know, I was actually going to mention. I mean, there's this, so there's so many parallels. It's not even I, funny. I, I was going to mention this later on, but if you think about this, it's kind of like Gilligan's Island meets Lord of the Flies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm but you're right. You got the skipper. Got you the got professor. The professor. Got, got the, the millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> you got the movie star. The movie star. You who also got, sings. Yeah, and you've got... Uh, got the girl next door. Right. Um, the professor and Akiko. <laughs> Let me see. Um, the closest thing you got to the millionaire's wife would be the writer, I guess. Cause yeah. Because he's kind of goofy. And um, let me see. I think we went through all the castaways, but yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it wasn't. And it, the funny thing is, I'm watching this thing, and, and we haven't, we haven't left the plot yet. I just digress, but I'm watching this thing, and I'm getting like the like the last ten minutes, and I'm, it just hit me like like a bolt. It's like, oh my god, this is Gilligan's Island reimagined as a Japanese horror movie. Which, God, that's so weird. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but a Japanese yacht. That's, Skipper, that's, go ahead. Uh, on a day trip, a three-hour tour. They encounter a nasty storm that nearly capsizes. See, I can barely read the plot without thinking. So the crew. Okay, so you've got. I just keep picturing. I just keep picturing Kumi on on the deck singing. La da 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 da. Oh yeah. Gotta wonder if the professor, you know, was trying to make a radio out of two mushrooms instead of coconuts. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So here's here's what you got. You got your skipper. Now Yuki, his I believe so. So that would be the skipper. We'll just call him Mothra guy. Okay. His shipmate is sen- assistant Senzo. Well, I guess he'd be Gilligan. Yeah, kind of like a nastier version of Gilligan. Uh, yeah, he's a little skeevy, isn't he? <laughs> well, there's a lot of double dealing and backstabbing in this film, but uh, given the circumstances, I guess I can understand. You've got uh, a writer Atsuro Yoshida, university professor Kenji. Celebrity Masofumi Kasai. That would be the millionaire, right? No, the celebrity was Kumi Mizuno. Oh no, 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 that's yeah, that's the two female passengers. Yep, singer Mam. Is it Mammy or Mamie? Mamie. I believe it's Mamie. Yeah, I. It sounds about right. And a uh, student of the aforementioned professor Akiko. So. The, the storm basically totally does their ship in. I mean, this thing, the, the sails are ruined, and it's basically just kind of drifting. So they hear a radio announcement informing them that they were lost at sea, which I'm sure they were thrilled to hear that. Oh, I'm sure they were just all a, fl- all a flutter. Yeah. Oh, good. They're not looking for us. Yay. So uh, Because, as I recall, didn't they say the, the it was your... Uh, Typical B-movie, the island is uh, shrouded in fog. Yeah, which actually kind of almost becomes a theme in itself. Um, that was actually something I noticed, is that I thought the the fog and mist that surround the um, the island trappings is, is done really well, but it's amazing how, considering they're constantly in a mist and fog, Everybody's clothes are so dry. 
Yeah, well, um, and some of them seem to change them an awful lot, too. But then again, the millionaire on Gilligan's Island, that he seemed to have an awful lot of changes of clothes. Yeah, but he's a millionaire. I, I would, uh, you know, that made sense to me. About a three-hour tour? I mean, geez, you know, you uh, you go out parasailing. I, I always wondered like why that. he didn't have his own yacht if he was a millionaire. Well, you know, he and Lovey like to mingle with the little people. Yes. Gilligan, my boy. So, um, okay, so they, they get at this seemingly deserted island. They try to look around for food and water. Uh, they come across a few ponds that seem man-made, full of fresh rain- rainwater. But, and the thing that strikes their, their notice immediately is that there are, like, zillions of mushrooms all around the island. But no uh, animal life of any sort. Uh, there, I believe there's a few birds, but they, they won't come near the island, which is really kind of an interesting uh, thing. That I wish they, they would have explored a little more. But they have these, like I said, there's zillions of mushrooms all over this island, and they're, they make the decision not to eat them because they don't know whether they're poisonous. It's a foreign type of mushroom, I guess. Well, I had thought originally they find this ship... And they go in there and they look at the log book, and I think there was something in there about don't eat the mushrooms, wasn't there? Okay, well that was the that was the next plot point. Oh! As they cross the island, they come across a shipwreck on the shore, and the uh, the sails are rotted. The ship's interior is covered with a kind of a weird fungus and mold that is spread throughout the ship. Noticing that they can uh, clean most of it off, they they manage to clear out a couple of the rooms and make it at least somewhat livable. Okay, now they do see the, I believe it was the captain's chamber or whatever. Yeah. And for some reason, it just looked like it was covered in the red fungus, but everybody seemed to scream and get all disgusted when they looked in there. I mean, I don't know, what did they see? I think, you know, I thought it was the smell, which I, I don't think the actors conveyed that, but that was that was kind of, because, like, they kept kind of covering their mouth with their arm type of thing, like, oh my god, I mean, if they just would have thrown, like, one line in there, oh my god, the stench, or blah, 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 I think it would have gone a long way toward explaining what what yeah. the horrible thing was. It could very well have been in the original Japanese, it's just they decided not to translate it over. I cannot say definitively one way or the other, though. That's, which brings up something else I thought was interesting. You know, as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of closed captions whenever possible, and I was actually listening to the English dub while having the closed captions, and there are a couple points where what was being said on the soundtrack and what the closed captions were saying was like, I mean, two different movies. And and I, I can't, I meant to write down the specific examples, but there's at least two points where they're talking about one thing, but, and I gotta believe the closed captions is probably a more accurate translation of the Japanese. So it was sort of like, Wow, if, depending on which way you're you're experiencing this, you're kind of uh, watching some interesting plot points kind of fade before your eyes. Yeah, I could, I so couldn't believe that. It, it was just weird. I know all the movies we review are weird. So anyway, they uh, so their supply of food that they had on this ship is starting to run low. They try to acquire turtle eggs and birds, but as I said earlier, birds pretty much kind of avoid the island. Yeah, they kind of get to the point to where they're, um, we got to find anything edible. Yeah. 
And Yoshida, the writer, begins to get edgy, uh, eventually eating the mushrooms instead of eating the potatoes and seaweed that they have found to sustain themselves. And why was that? Because he was a fun guy. Yes, he was. Come on, folks. You knew that one was going to make it in at some point. Yeah. Um, oh, fun guy. Uh, okay. Um, God, I'm tired. He's been working an awful lot lately. Yes, he has. <laughs> He's lucky he showed up for this, but professional that I am. I, I, I well, plus that. Plus, I know we both look forward to doing this. We really nice, do. It's a nice little break. This is uh, this has kept my sanity over the last year. I will say that. Okay, so one night as Kasai is raiding the food stores, he is attacked by a uh, really like creepy-looking guy. That's who, Gilligan, if I remember right. I believe so. Okay. And uh, now it's it's weird the way they do this because he's he's being you know followed by this thing that it basically just kind of lurches along like really slow and. Doesn't really make any kind of threatening moves, I don't think. No, it just keeps moving closer and closer, and he goes in the room where all the rest of the the crew, if you will, the the castaways are, and it's weird the way they edit it because they go to open up the door, and this this mushroom-headed thing, I, I don't know how else to describe it, is there, and then the scene ends, and then the next scene you see is them all like, you know, acting like it was some sort of hallucination, which it, it it was just weird that they didn't show it like disappearing from view or all that. They just cut the scene there, and then they're deba- next thing you know, they're debating about whether it was an illusion, which is well, really, really a, weirdly edited. There's a lot of debating in this movie. Well, and in a, on at least one level, I'd say it's almost a psychological thriller type thing. Oh, I would say it's more psychological than in, than anything else. Which, which Just is... Just watching the breakdown, that was kind of the... Um, which which goes back to your Lord of the Flies analogy. Right. You know, how can, you know, civilized people... And, you know, they are civilized because, as you said, when they're out at out at sea originally, oh, they're all in their finest clothes and the, the, the singer is singing her weird little la-la-la song. Yeah. And the very little that Kumi was wearing. Yes. Oh, Lord. I'm going to have to get a poster. I, uh, <laughs> I kind of know what's going to be in Santa's stocking this year. But, um, so yeah, it's the next day. They're debating whether this thing was an actual illusion or not. Uh, then you then you really start getting into the psychological uh, breakdown, if you will, because Yoshida and Kasai fight over Mamie's affections, and Yoshida goes crazy as a direct result of the mushroom's influence and starts to pull a gun. Of course, they overpower him and lock him up in Kasai's room. And I gotta say, there's a very subtle thing going on too because uh, Mamie, you know, she's really digging the fact that two guys are fighting over her. Oh yeah, that look on her face. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. just got this like, <laughs> and. and, and it's very subtle. You got to be looking for it. But she actually kind of looks at at the Akiko, the other girl. You know, kind of like, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> what do you got? Nothing. She's got the professor. Well, he is the hero, but or you know, he's the narrator, I should say. So Nayuki, the skipper, decides they must leave the island in order to in order to survive. But the others disagree, so he departs on his own. 
Now, Mamie frees Yoshida, and they attempt to take over the ship, shooting and killing Senzo in the process. That's Gilligan. Okay, yeah. yeah. I had to stop and think back to the movie. Yeah. So, Kenji and Akiko manage to get control from them and force them off the ship. Sai travels out to the yacht, only to find the skipper is missing, and a note left behind explaining that... Uh, he, the skipper, is responsible for the deaths of the group and that he has jumped overboard. On his way back, he's confronted by Mamie, who tries to get him, basically gets him to follow her into the forest. Now, and that's kind of a weird thing where they, they actually show the rainfall uh, making these mushrooms kind of grow live. Yeah, it's actually kind of a cool effect, actually. Uh, it really is. I'd love to know, Was is it like inflated balloons or something? But it, it's really well done. So, um, yeah, because I'm sure the budget on this one, aside from gas, was probably like six bucks. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> what they did with those six bucks? Yeah, that's very true. But again, one word, Honda. Yeah. He, I, I he, made, it, he did a lot with a little. If it, well, maybe, maybe he's more the uh, Roger Corman of uh, Japanese cinema. His stuff is a little bit more respected than Corman's uh, in yeah. the mainstream. Well, okay, I, I suppose that is true. Um, but now, the the mushroom... All right, Kasai realizes that those who have been eating the mushrooms turn into mushrooms themselves because the mushrooms are so addictive and they base... I don't know. That's the one problem of logic I kind of have with the film is you... So when once you actually become a mushroom, you... Is it cannibalism? I never thought of that, but, you know, I just know just eating mushrooms normally, because I do like mushrooms. Oh, I love mushrooms. Yeah. Um, Haven't eaten any since I watched this thing. <laughs> well, neither have I, but I only watched a thing, like, a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. I got a I got a story after we finish the plot. Oh, okay, that. sure. But uh, it takes an awful lot of mushrooms to fill to really fill you. Well, that is true. They're, that's kind of why they're actually a pretty good snack if you're if you're looking to like snack on something that's kind of right. low calorie. So it's one of the few health, healthy things I will eat. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't like uh, do the old uh, ranch dressing thing with them. Uh, yeah, that actually, I got a story. I got a story okay. about dr- ranch dressing. Most of our listeners probably have heard of a place called CC's Pizza. I have. Okay, it's like. Never eaten there, but I've, well, I've heard things. I I kind of like it. It's cheap, and you know, okay, they do a couple of clever things. But I'm in there, and there is this guy. He's on his cell phone, and he's got this plate in front of him, and he says, "I don't know why I cannot lose any weight. I'm eating salad, and okay, he had a a salad. This salad was mounded. It probably rose." Four to six inches off the top of the plate. Okay. All kinds of bacon and meat and stuff on top of it. <laughs> Love it. But it gets worse. He had so much ranch dressing on this thing, it looked oh. like he frosted it. Oh, my God. Like, Gee, sir, I can't imagine why you can't lose any weight. Would you like another bottle, sir? <laughs> Maybe a straw for the one you have? <laughs> We've got industrial size in the back. <laughs> yeah, we went to Sam's Club in the Costco. <laughs> So anyway, so now Akiko and Kanji, the professor and his student, are being attacked in force by the mushroom people. Now, and I, I noticed that Mamie is shown like 
she's one of the few that her face is never deformed in any way. Like her her leg and her one hand, I think they show a little right. deformed. And that's only really at the end, at right. the final thing at the end. Right. But uh, uh, Akiko and Kenji get separated. Akiko is kidnapped. And when he finally finds her, she finds that she's eaten the mushrooms, or, or I guess the modern equipment would be drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I was just thinking that right before you said it. Yeah. And she's, she's very much, oh, they're wonderful. Have one, you know. And now, now I must go back just, just a couple steps here because okay. one of the things they, I think is really weird is they, they show the, uh, I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it's the millionaire when he first bites into the mushroom. He has like this elaborate like hallucination sequence. Oh, where he's kind of thinking back. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's a flashback, but he's he's like thinking back and he's imagining Mamie the the singer like at this old kind of risque club and she's doing contortionism and there's a lot of really suggestive stuff in this movie that I, I yeah yeah they, they this is yet another one they used to show on the quote-unquote weekend movie here in Cleveland and th- <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of this stuff was edited out because I'm just like what <laughs> I think it's more a case of we were too young to really see that part of it. We were just waiting for the monsters to show up. Well, that is true, but I mean, some of this stuff, I really don't think they would have let go. Plus, uh, and and I, I don't want to sound filthy-minded, but some of the actual mushrooms are kind of suggestive. Uh, how about we just say they're well-placed? Yes. That's that's a good way of doing it. So yeah, Akiko is, is eating the mushrooms. Yes, come join us, blah, blah, blah. The, the big mushroom people all try to basically rush him, and he manages to get away. So now, Of course he does. They're mushrooms in the wild. They're all slimy in that, so you just bounce off. Oh, okay. Well, that's the way I... Well, that, works for me. Well, that's some good writing. Okay. So he finds his way back to the, the ship that's been adrift, but apparently now it's sailable. Sail- sailable? Sailable? Well, it was actually sailable before. It's just for whatever reason, the captain just like had a freak out moment while he was there. Yeah. So they he make makes it he makes it back to the mainland, and now we're back from the flashback. And even though he looked perfectly normal at the beginning of the movie, now he has uh, the the fungus growing on his face. He said, "Now I ate the mushrooms, right?" Yeah. And he bas- basically it ends with him saying, you know, it wouldn't have mattered whether they ate the mushrooms or not, but if I would have been there, I would have been with Akiko, and I would have been happy. And then he makes a weird comment about, you know, the people of Tokyo are not that different from the mushroom people. And then he kind of just looks contemplatively out across uh, the night sky at uh, Tokyo and Tokyo Bay, and that's the movie. Yeah, now, probably my fondest remembrance of this movie. Okay. Uh, the living room at the house that I grew up in, the one that had the TV, it was dark paneled, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and it that, was on. Is that the TV that was so bright? 
When used to hurt hurt her eyes on Saturday morning. Possibly. Yeah. But um, the room itself was pretty dark, and my sister, my brother, and a couple of their friends were watching this movie in this room. Okay. Now the air conditioner was up, so there's a sheet over the. I remember over that the thing. And that scene where they're all attacking the professor, you know, okay. like shooting up and all that. Okay. They're watching this, and I. I like slide the curtain aside. I jump in and go, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're evil. Love it. That's my, that's my big remembrance in this movie before uh, rewatching it. But now I do. Okay. My memory of it, of watching it. And again, as we used to, you know, it used to be called the weekend movie. They would literally show this thing three times over the course of uh, the weekend. They'd show it from like three, I want to say three to five on Saturday. They'd show it twice on Saturday because they'd show it earlier in the day. Then they'd show it like uh, 11 or midnight. Yeah. And then like at one o'clock on Sunday or something like that. No, it was three to five on Sunday because okay. they had the family movie from one to three on Sunday. Oh, okay. But now, so I'd watch this thing all three times because, you know, it was a horror movie. Why wouldn't I? And um, I seem to recall that it... They actually just ended the movie flat out when he turns his head to the camera and shows the the fungus growing up and the the whole little thing about him saying he should have stayed on the island and then looking out across the sea. I, I, I was kind of taken aback that, oh, my God, there was like a couple more minutes. I, I could be completely wrong. Again, I was like seven when I saw this thing. That, prob- that probably has a lot to do with why, just because we were so young and, you know. Again, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that they did anything out of the ordinary with it, but yeah, perception. Yeah, perception. Yeah. So, um, but I would say it's it's effectively very very creepy movie. There's a definite sense of uh, claustrophobia on on the ship on the islands. There, it's it's just like this very slow scream of anguish throughout the whole thing like oh my god it's just getting worse and worse and and every time you think you think it can't get any worse it does yeah and it's it's kind of interesting that there there really is no happy ending on with this movie at all no there's not and that's uh considering a lot of what toho was putting out with the kaiju films where there usually was at least a somewhat happy ending yeah, you but, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you'd see cities devastated, but you'd also see, okay, well now Tokyo or whatever whatever city can rebuild, which is kind kind of a hallmark really of of a lot of them. You okay. you, you would see at least some final scene saying, okay, well now the rebuilding starts, and this is just a a, a despairing little movie, which which makes it, in my opinion, brilliant. Uh, that. Yeah, uh, definitely a psychological thriller, just watching the breakdown of um, their little group there. Yeah. You know, who's going to turn on who next? Yeah. And really, everybody with everybody pretty much turns on everybody with the possible exception of the, the professor's uh, student. Yeah, but she's overpowered and, you know, starts eating the mushrooms, and so she's gone. Right. And, I think you know, the only one who has any kind of integrity about the whole thing is uh, the professor himself, but even he succumbs to it because, let's face it, it was either that or starve. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, d- d- definitely a, a lot of things going on in this movie, but 
again, you've got a you got that that pedigree of cast because they they were in cast so, and crew, sure. And uh, the, you know, you've got a director like Honda who I, I like you. I'll go back to what you said right at the beginning. Yeah, once they paid for the cast, they probably had a, a budget of like six, well, twelve yen, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, t- we use thirteen yen, big budget. Oh no, we go fourteen. Thirteen, not good. Okay, but given what they probably had to not work with, um, it's really effective. I would, I would recommend this to almost anyone, in spite the the ludicrous English title. Yep. Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way, I think it's time to rate this sucker. Um, I want to go craptacular with this thing. I, I, I it aged, it aged so much better than I recalled. I, I, I have to agree. I was not expecting it to be quite as engrossing as it was. Oh yeah, I, you know, I know we we have our own little methods for viewing stuff, and I have a tendency to multitask. I'll watch something on my computer, but if if the plot starts losing me, you know, after five minutes, I'll I'll read email or something like that, and then come back to it later. I was watching this thing for 20, 30 minute chunks because, and it and it just kind of flew by. I actually had this thing. Uh, now we're we're as always taping this on a Wednesday. I had this thing finished Saturday night. That's a record for me. You know, I'm last minute Charlie on this stuff. Well, yeah, I've told you this by necessity a lot of times. Yeah. Now I actually had watched it right after I got the right after I got a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Watched it pretty much right away because I was just really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah. And then I, a couple of nights ago, I, I want to say Sunday night, um, or maybe it was Monday after my daughter got home, I'm laying in bed just watching it because I wanted to watch basically the last half of the movie again. Okay. And as I'm laying there, well, my wife comes into bed, and she starts watching it, and she keeps looking over at me and like, really? <laughs> this movie is stupid. Well, it's because you missed the first half. I, I didn't want to come right out and say that. But. Well, I, I, I told you, I can't. I literally can't not even say the name of this thing around my wife and daughter because they, they just... Yeah, you're right. It's Children shouldn't play with dead things all, all over again. They're just, Really? This is the movie? This is you're spending your time? And I know I could probably sit them down. Okay, ignore the title. Just watch the damn movie. What's the point? Yeah, well, you know, it's a guilty pleasure kind of thing. Yes. Um, and speaking of guilty pleasures, what's our flick for next time around? Okay, well, we're going to do something um, a little different for us. Even I, I don't think we've ever actually gone full sci-fi for anything. We've, we've done a couple fantasy, a couple horror movies, but uh, I think this is our first out-and-out sci-fi movie we're going to be doing. It's the what year is this? Do we know? Oh hell, I don't know. <laughs> let's just say let's just say seventy seven sounds good. It had to be after Star Wars. Seventy six, seventy seven, maybe I don't know. Star Wars was was the big instigator for the sci fi craze, but uh, the one we're going to be reviewing is Logan's Run with Michael York, Jenny Ogeter, and a couple other people whose names I can't think of off the top of my head. But damn it, they're important. That's right. And if they want to comment on this or any other episode, suggest a movie or that, how can they reach us? Uh, they can reach us at Secret Layer Podcast 
at gmail.com. That's right. Um, they can subscribe to us, not only via iTunes, but now if you are a Windows Phone user, you, oh, can, really? you can subscribe to the Secret Layer Drive-In via your Windows Phone, and we picked up two subscribers that way. Okay, very good. Bonus. Yep, and you can, of course, visit us at our Blogspot blog, which is... Is secretlayerpodcast.blogspot.com. Yep, or you can go to Podbean, which is secretlayerdrivein.podbean.com. And Podbean, if you go to that site, has a very nice embedded player. We're just all over the place. I'm just telling you, we're just slowly, very slowly, taking over the world. Yeah. One, one, one podcaster at a time. Okay, so for It Came From The Drive-In Movie, this is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies just won't watch themselves. Later, folks. Bye, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Just imagine a world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand, when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. A fantastic journey through a world beyond imagination. Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner! There's just one catch. When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Michael York is Logan. Run, Logan! Policeman in a perfect world. No! Trained to track down runners. Run, Logan! Until he is forced to run himself. Stand. We all go crazy once in a while. But she's a runner, and it's over. Over, well, 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 am I not? <laughs> Box, an incredible being. More than human, more than machine. Diabolical guardian of the gateway to freedom. For Logan and the woman who loves him. face like that before. That must be the look of... of being old. MGM takes you into a new age of adventure in the first motion picture of the 23rd century. 
Logan's Run. It begins where imagination ends.